As we start a new year, I don't know about you, but I've had some time uh, over the Christmas break to reflect on last year, to think back about the events that took place, um, the things that God brought into our lives, the things that um, happened that I didn't have any control over, didn't know were going to take place. And as I think back about the past year, I'm always thinking about the next year and some things that I want to look at and pay attention to. And, you know, for me, some things that are important to me are exercise. So what's that rhythm going to look like for me this coming year? And Someone came in the first service and they said, well, I can finally eat healthy after the last two weeks. So maybe diet is something that you're paying attention to. Um, maybe there's some ways that you want to grow in your learning and education. I'm someone that loves to learn. So what educational opportunities am I going to pursue in the coming year? Um, you know, your relationship with God. What are some ways you want to connect with God this year that maybe haven't been there um, in the past? Or a relationship with a spouse or with your family? Um, and then invariably, the one that always comes into this conversation is the finances, the finances. And um, the way my wife and I navigate through this is she takes care of our finances on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis, and on a monthly basis, we review them. And I usually say to her almost every month, so how are we doing? And she's like, uh, I don't know, ask me at the end of the year. So every month, how are we doing? I don't know, ask me at the end of the year. So the end of the year comes, and I just kind of brace myself for what the end of the year means, you know. And uh, invariably, at the end of the year, you know, we look at the things that have happened the last year that affect us. I mean, this past year, we had some medical expenses that were completely unforeseen. Uh, We had some tax issues that we had to navigate through. And so I'm always, at the end of the year, kind of bracing myself for that conversation. And and so if you haven't had that conversation, my assumption is you might, you will likely have that conversation, whether sit down and look at the numbers in your own life or whether sit down and look at those with someone else and... In the course of that conversation, you might hear some of these things like, we're just not bringing in enough money, so we've got to find a way to bring in more money. You might hear, well, you know what, Even, I know you lost your job, but you've got to go out and find a job. You know, you've got to find a job. Maybe you, gotta, maybe you are not just finding a job, but you've got to find a different job, and the reality is something different needs to be there on the horizon for you. Maybe you've made some past financial mistakes, and they're finally catching up to you. And you're like, oh no, we got to take care of this like now. Um, maybe you've realized that um, certain things cost more. Like, I don't know how groceries just keep getting more and more expensive. It's the same four people in our house, and I don't think they're growing in ways, and I'm trying to eat less, and I don't, but somehow, you know, groceries cost more, and, and kids cost more. Like, every week, kids cost more. I don't know how that happens, but, you know, can I have money for this, or for this, or for this, or for this fundraiser, or for this school thing? And, and it's just constant, constant, constant. Maybe you've had, uh, as I mentioned, medical bills. Maybe you had an appliance breakdown. You had a car that died that you had to replace this year. Um, So whatever it is, my assumption is that you face some kind of challenge financially this past year because all of us face that in some degree or another. And so the question is, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? And the Bible has a lot to say about money and about managing your money. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about some of the concepts and principles that the Bible has to say about money. And, and these are not going to be new concepts or new principles. If, you, if you've uh, been here at CCC or you've paid attention to what the Bible has to say about money, but I just want to bring them to you in a different kind of way. And some of these come from some ideas from my friend David over at LCBC. And just want to bring these to you in a series entitled Simple Math. Because as much as you saw the little guy on the chalkboard putting some things down that should be simple, there's a complexity about them that sometimes leaves us scratching our head. But think what you're going to discover is God says, it's pretty simple. It's not as confusing as you think it is. 
If you have a Bible with you this morning, if you would take it out and turn to Second um, Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the rack right in front of you. You can grab one of those. Page number on those Bibles is page 293. Page 293. Or you can follow along in your tablet, phone, electronic device. Just connect to our wireless network and do that. So Second Kings 4 is where we're going to start this morning. And let me read 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, just to set the stage for what's going to take place. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So the story begins with a woman who is in a very difficult situation. Her husband apparently was in this group called the Company of Prophets, which we know a little bit about them. They were a group of men who um, believed that God was going to speak to them, and so they were listening to God, and they were trying to communicate the voice of God to the people of Israel. That's what the prophets did. They were God's spokesperson for the people of Israel. And so her husband was a part of this group, but apparently somehow he had died. We have no idea how, but he died. And all we know about the man is what it goes on to say is that Um, he was a godly man. He revered the Lord. He honored God. He wanted to do what God wanted him to do. And he was in debt. We don't know how he got in debt. We don't know if the debt was something that happened to him. Sometimes that's how we get in debt, right? You know, someone hits us, we're in a car accident, then we've got some medical bills that follow. Something happens to us. You do your research and you buy a car, but it ends up being a lemon. Something happens to you. Uh, Your company shuts down. Something happens to you that puts you in a financial crisis. But sometimes it's your own choices and decisions that cause your financial crisis. Bad planning, bad decision-making, lack of discipline can cause a financial crisis. We don't know why. We just know that's her condition. And the condition had gotten so bad, she had sold everything in sight. Everything she could sell to pay off the debts had been sold, and the only two options were her two boys. Her two boys. So I need two guys to help me with uh, this this morning. Uh, Micah, would you come up and help me with this? And Weston, would you come up and help me with this? Come on up. Just come on up here and just kind of stand here right in the front of the stage. So don't worry. I won't do it. Not that Weston. This Weston. See, he was so excited. No, right here, guys. Right here. No, no, down here, down here, down here. Down here, down here. Down here. Sorry, Andrew. You'll get laughed at for a long time about that one. So... Um. All right. So he's got two boys. Here's two guys here. And, and she comes to the prophet... Elisha, who is likely in charge of this company of the prophets, and she says, what are you going to do for me? I mean, I I got my two guys here. This is all I have left. And they're going to take them, sell them as slaves to somehow pay off the debts. That's the situation that she finds herself in. Elisha then replied to her and said, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? You know, this is often what God does when we come to him and say, God, I need help. God says, what do you have? What do you have? God doesn't say, when you get this much out of debt, then I'll help you. Or when you get to this place financially, then I'll help you. Or it has to get this bad. God says, what do you have? What do you have? He said that to his disciples. Remember when there's a lot of people that were hungry? He said, what do you have? And they said, we've got some loaves of bread and we've got a little bit of fish. And so that's what God often says. He says, what do you have? What do you have? The woman says, your servant is nothing here at all. Just a small jar of oil. Maybe this is all she had. Just a little jar of oil, maybe something like that. That's it. So Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. 
Elisha says, I want you to go around to all the neighbors and ask for empty jars. Now, underneath the seats of some of you on the aisle, reach underneath your seats, there's something there. So I, I want Weston, I want you to go down that aisle. And Micah, you go down that aisle. Ask all those people if they've got something for you. And right down the aisle here, buddy. Right down here. No, right here. Right here. Yep, go down the aisle. Ask the people if they've got something under their seat. They can give it to you. Bring it up here. Set it right on the front of the stage. So they're going to all their neighbors. Say, you got something for me? You, you got anything for me? You got a, you got a pot? You got a pan? You, you know, do you, do you got a, a jar maybe? You know, do you got something for me that I can bring? So these guys are doing what those little guys did. They just walked around the neighborhood, collected jars. They had no, when you get your hands full, bring them up here, guys, and put them on the stage. Uh, yeah, don't drop them. Bring them up here and put them on the stage when you get your hands full. Just kind of line them up on the stage, okay? Line them up on the stage. You didn't know you were going to get a workout this morning at church. Just line them right up here for me, okay? Now, imagine you're one of these guys going to the, no- the door of one of the neighbors, and the neighbor says, so what do you need? What do you need? How many, anybody ever gone to the neighbor and gotten an egg or a little bit of flour, some vanilla or something? You, had, you know, some of you have done that. You've kind of been in a pinch, and, you go, and the neighbor says, what do you need? You're, you're willing to help, right? You're willing to help. Go back down the aisles, guys. See if you can find any more. Um, and, and, and so the neighbor says, what do you need? And you say, I need a, you got an empty pot or pan. You're like, sure, I got an empty pot or pan. And then the neighbor says, well, what are you going to use that pot or pan for? You're like, I have no idea what I'm going to use it for. I'm like, oh, okay. How long are you going to use my pot and pan? I really don't have any idea how long I'm going to use your pot and pan. But the prophet Elisha said to use the pot and pan. So these guys are still collecting pots and pans, so... Thank you, Weston. You can have a seat. Thanks for your help there. Micah's still collecting pots and pans. He got a big one over there. So line them up there on the stage there, Micah. So, um, you know, now some of you, if God asked you to do something crazy, like go to the neighbors and collect some pots and pans, you're like, oh, okay, God wants me to do that. I'll go do that. Some of you are like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to the neighbors to collect pots and pans. What will they say to me? What if this happens? What if this happens? And, and for some of us, we, are, we get so consumed by the what-ifs that it paralyzes us from doing what God wants us to do. I mean, what if one of these things gets broken? You know, what if a pot gets ruined? What if I ask them and tell them God wants to do something and God doesn't do anything and I've got to return it back to them and they say, what did God do? And you say, uh, he didn't do anything. You know, what if, what if, what if? You know, what if questions hold us back from God more than any other question that we ask? What if? What if? But she didn't ask what if. She sent her boys around. They collected all the pots and pans, everything they could find. They lined them all up. And then Elisha says, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into the jars, and as each one is filled, move it to the side. Now, imagine if you're one of these guys, and they say, bring mom a pot, and he brings her a pot, and he starts to pour oil in there, and the thing fills up way beyond what little bit is in this jar. Can you imagine their eyes when that happened? Like, can't believe it, mom. What just happened? I don't know, but it's full. What do you want me to do with it? I don't know. The prophet said, move it aside and bring me another one. So he moved it aside and brought him another He pours in, and he's like... Where's it coming from? I have no idea where it's coming from. Just keeps filling it up, and he moves that one aside. They just fill every single one of the containers they have until every single one is filled up. 
When all the jars were full in verse 6, she said to another son, bring me another one. And he said, there's none left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She then went and told the man of God what she had done. And he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your son can live on what is left. Now think about this story with me for a moment. Think about what this woman had to do before she knew what God was going to do. What she had to do before she knew what God was going to do. She had to trust God before she knew that what God was going to do was going to make any sense. She had to trust God before she knew that God was going to take the next step and meet her needs. She had to be willing to send her boys, and maybe she went herself, to all of her neighbors and set herself up for questions, for ridicule, for mockery, before she even knew what God was going to do. And you see, when God asks us to trust Him, God says, you have to decide, do you have enough confidence in me that you will do what I ask you to do, even if you don't know how this is all going to work out? I don't know about in your home, but in my home there's, there's one of us that ha- there was one of us that is able to take a big step of faith and one of us that has to see how it's all going to work out. And that's part of the balance that God gives us in relationships. Um, but it, for some of you, it's really, really hard to take a step of faith to trust God when you don't know how it's going to work out. But that's what he asked this woman to do. And there's something about God that he wants us to demonstrate our trust to him. Demonstrate our trust to him. And demonstrating my trust to God is very important to God. And as we talk about finances, the reason I went to that story first is because finances is not a money issue. If you're not sure how you're going to have enough money to pay the bills this year, if you are find yourself in a little bit of debt or some things came back to catch up with you or you need more than you have, it's not a dollars and cents issue. It's a trust issue. Finances is a trust issue. God says there's one way for you to show that you trust God with your finances, and that is called the tithe. The tithe. And we're going to spend the next couple weeks talking about this concept. There's some crazy ideas about the tithe. Some people think a tithe is just simply about giving. Some people think a tithe is just about giving. But it's, excuse me, about money. It's not just about money. It's about trusting God. Some people think a tithe is about giving. If I give some money, that's tithing. But for some people, giving means I get. I won't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have contributed to a, a Christian organization or something online and they've sent you a book or they've sent you a DVD or they've sent you a link to something free? You know, some people perceive that to be tithing. I give something and I get something. I give something and I get something. That's not what tithing is. Some people think tithing is giving to Christian organizations. Where we live in Lancaster County, there's a lot of fantastic Christian organizations that make an amazing difference around the world that are centered right here where we live? Is it important to support them when you have the resources and you're able to do so and it's something you have a passion for? Absolutely. But that's not what tithing is. And tithing is not just giving your time. Tithing is this. Tithing is returning to God what belongs to God. Tithing is returning to God what belongs to God. Romans 11 says this. It says... For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. The truth is, everything belongs to God. Which flies in the face of a misconception that many of us have today that I own my stuff. 
I own my car. Well, maybe the bank technically owns it, but one day I hope to own my car. You know, I own my computer. I own my clothing. I own my laptop. Maybe some of you, I own my own home. I own my business. The truth is, if you died tomorrow, would you own all of that stuff? Yes or no? No. It's getting passed off to somebody whether you want them to have it or not, right? Right? So if I don't own all this stuff, how do I view it? How do I view it? Well, one way to view it is is a little bit like a timeshare or renting a place for a week. Um, You know, if you have a timeshare or if you rent a, a, a place at the beach for the week or a cabin in the woods for the week... You bring all your stuff, right? You pack up all your stuff, all your food, all your clothes, everything that you own, and you take it and you move into that place for the week, right? You put, your, you put your clothes in the dresser there. You make use of the bed, the bathroom. You put all your food in the cabinets. You use the, use the stove, the refrigerator. And it feels like your place for a week, doesn't it? It feels like your place. But what happens when the clock strikes midnight or usually 10 o'clock on Saturday morning? What happens? Pack it all up, right? Put it in the car, and someone else moves in and sleeps in what was your bed. Someone else puts their clothes in your dresser. Someone else uses your fridge, right? It's not really yours. It's not really yours. It's only yours just to use for a period of time. And the truth is, our stuff is a bit like a timeshare. You have it just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. God says even this, he says, not only do, um, does the stuff not belong to us, but even the ability to get the stuff comes from God. Look at this verse from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. He says, remember the Lord, for he gives you the ability to produce your wealth. It's God that gives you the hands to use to make income. It's God that gives you the mind to think to make income. It's God that gives you all of those things. And he says, if God's the one that gives you those, he says, will you give that, some of that back to him? Look at Leviticus 27, verse 30. He says, a tithe of everything from the land, grain, soil, fruit. And notice that phrase that says there, belongs to the Lord. There's a sense of ownership that God says, this really belongs to me, but I'm going to give it to you, just like the timeshare. I'm going to give this place to you to use for the time that you are here. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I'm not quite sure I get this, so what's the point of the tithe? Well, the word tithe simply means a tenth. It simply means a tenth. So it's a little bit like this. If I gave you $10, now these guys are wishing they were back up here to do this illustration, but uh, if I had $10 and I said to you, I want you to tithe from these $10, how much would you give me? You would give me one. And God says, if you have 10 of these, it's pretty simple math. It's not very complicated. I just want you to give one of these Back to me. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to Him. He says, I'm going to give you these, and I'd like for you to give me back one. We're like, okay, I can do that. That's pretty simple math. I kind of get that. I kind of get that. But um, it, it kind of gets a little complicated, doesn't it, when the, um, when the tens, they kind of move to the Hamiltons now, and now we don't just have you know, ten, but now we've got a hundred of these things. And God says, I have all of this, and I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to even give you the ability to work and earn this. And all I ask is that you give one of these back to me. That's all I ask. Just give one of those back to me. And you're saying, that simple math works with the Hamiltons, but does that simple math still work when we're now talking about 
Benjamins? Does it still work when we're talking about Franklins? Does it still work? You know, well, I don't know. It, it really doesn't work as well then. It's a little harder then. I mean, God says, I'm going to give you this. And all I ask is that you give that. No, 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 God, I can't give you. I, I think I'm going to just give you a Hamilton. Can I give you a Hamilton? Can I give you just one of those? You know, can I give you just one of those? And God says, it's really simple. It's not very complicated. I have given this to you. I've entrusted this to you in the time that you are here on this earth, just like if you were in a timeshare. And he says, all I want you to do is just give one of them back to me. That's all God asks us to do, is to give one of them back to me. And some of you say, well, well, I don't know if I can give a hundred of those. I can give maybe 30 of those or maybe 50 of those. And, And God says, the issue is really not about the money. The issue is, do I trust God? Do I trust God? Now, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, I, I, have, I have abilities and skills and talents, and I give those back to God, and, and God says, that's great, and thank you for using those to bless and serve others, but I'm talking about wealth, your dollars and cents. And God talked to his people about this in the book of Malachi. If you want to turn with me to the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, it's the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. And let me tell you a little bit about the book of Malachi. Malachi was one of the last prophets that God used, one of the last prophets that God used to speak to the people of Israel before um, he went silent for 400 years before Jesus came. So Malachi is the last voice speaking to the people of Israel before they go out. You know, these last words are important words, you know. Say to my kids when it's icy outside, drive safely, be slow, you know, watch the other drivers. You know, those last words are really important. And so this book of Malachi is really a book written to a group of people who had a desire to follow God, but they were only willing to do it on the, the Sabbath day, or for us it would be on Sunday. That was the only day they were willing to follow God. They were not willing to do it the rest of the week. And the rest of the week God said, will you do this? And they're like, on Sunday they're like, yeah, we'll do this. And they're like, I'm not doing that. And so they broke all these promises. They broke this promise and they brought God their leftovers in worship. They broke this promise. The priests broke a promise of how they were supposed to honor God. They broke promises about relationships being ended. They broke promises about not bringing about justice fairly, treating people fairly. They said on Sunday, yeah, we will. And then during the week, they didn't do it at all. And so this is what the book of Malachi is. God confronting them about these broken promises. And so in the end of the book, getting towards the end of the book in chapter 3... Verse 6, God reminds the people of who he is. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. You see, in spite of the people's unwillingness to follow God and to live for God all week long, God would not abandon them. He wouldn't abandon them. He would bring about punishment. He would bring about judgment. He would try to bring them back. He was always trying to bring them back, but they would not come back to God. God says, I'm still going to be waiting. can't get rid of me. I'm waiting here for you. And then in verse 7, they say, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've not, you have turned away from my decrees. This is God still speaking, and have not kept them. God says, return to me. But you ask, how are we to return? They weren't sure, because they were still showing up on Sunday to worship, but they weren't living for God the rest of the week. So what does coming back to you look like, God? We're still here. What does that look like? God said, well, this is what it looks like. Look in verse 8. He says this, Will a mere mortal rob God? But you're robbing me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? 
He says, in tithes and offerings. He said, well, what do we have to do, God? What do we have to do to come back to you? God says, do you realize you're stealing from me? Stealing from you? What do you mean stealing from you? God says, I'm giving you all of this, and I just ask you, just give one of these back to me, and you're stealing from me. You're not giving me back what I've asked you to give back to me. Verse 9, the result of this, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me, because you're stealing from God. And then look what God goes on to say in verse 10. This is what God told him to do. He said, I want you to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God said, this is what returning to me looks like. He said, I want you to bring the whole tithe to me and we'll put it in the storehouse. The storehouse was a part of the temple where they would store the the tithes that people brought that the priests would live off of. And then goes on to say this. He says, test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there won't be enough room to store it. God says, I want to bless you in ways that you will not be able to contain it. That's how I want to bless you. But I'm not willing to do that as long as you are robbing me. You know, really what God is saying to the people is he's saying, you have to decide if you're going to let me be first in this area of your life. You know, if you've been here around at CCC for any length of time, you know that our mission, our purpose, is to invite people to love God fully with everything that they have. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that means every part of our lives. And so in this area, you have to decide if God's going to be number one in your life, in your finances. Because the truth is, all of us have someone or something as number one in your life, don't we? Don't we? It could be another person. could be something we own. Maybe it's this thing. You know, we all have something that's number one in our lives. And everybody around you knows what it is. Everybody around you knows what's number one in your life. And God says, you have to decide if you are going to put me as number one in your life in this area. And if you're going to do that, it's going to require you to trade something that's currently number one. Something's going to have to get moved out of the top spot so something else can take its place. I'm a big sports fan, and they, every week, and depending what the, the major sport is, they, they come out with this poll of the team that's number one for the week, you know? And depending on what happens, and, but something happens to that team, they get moved out, someone else slides right up in there. Something that is, not, whatever it is that's number one is going to have to get moved for God to move into that place. If God's going to be number one, something else is going to have to be moved out. You know, and God wants this to be something that you give back to Him generously and joyfully. Because if this is something that you feel like you're being forced to do, or you have to do, we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks, God says, don't bother. Don't bother, because this needs to be a have to, a want to, not a have to. A want to, not a have to. Now, there's people in churches that say, well, well, the tithe is not really important. God doesn't, we don't need to do the tithe thing, because that's just an Old Testament thing. 
That was something in the Old Testament, and it's not a New Testament thing. The Old Testament, there's a lot of laws and rules, and we don't do all of those things. And you're right about that. There are a number of things in the Old Testament that we are not responsible to do anymore, what the Bible has to say. But some of these show up more than just in the Old Testament. Look at Matthew 23, 23. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders. He said, what do you teachers and Pharisees? You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, means they grow their spices, they chop off the top tenth, and they give that back to, the, to God. But you've neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And God says, God doesn't say ignore the tithe and only do justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He said, should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. God says they're both important. Some people say, well, we're not under the Old Testament law anymore. We're under the era of grace. And that is true. That is true. Our relationship with God is not based on the things that I can do to earn God's favor. God says there's nothing you can do to earn my favor. A relationship with God is a free gift that he offers to every one of us. But what Jesus does with the Old Testament law, he doesn't get rid of it. Look what he says in Matthew 5.17. I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And Jesus raised the bar. He didn't lower the bar. Jesus said, the law says, don't murder, but I say, don't look at someone with hate in your eyes. The law says, don't commit adultery. I say, don't lust. The law says, tithe, and I say, give everything back to God. And so the law doesn't lower the standard. The law raises the standard. You know, for Christine and I, this is something that's been a part of our lives um, since the time that we were married, it was actually part of our lives growing up. Our parents instilled this value into us. Um, it has always been something a part of our lives. And I would say, especially for our students and, that are in high school, our college students, this is a very, very important value that I wish all of you could adopt in your lives now. Because there's not a person in this room that would tell you that tithing is easier when you have more money. Not a single person would say that to you. They wouldn't. But we've watched God meet our needs in just remarkable ways. Remarkable ways. You know, we've had some things that God has given to us that they just last a long time. We had a lawnmower that I got when I had a lawn mowing business when I was in seminary in 1988 that that lawnmower lasted until a year and a half ago. Now, anybody that knows John knows that John is not good with his hands. I don't fix things. I don't put things back together. I have to pay people to do this. You know, I'm not one of those guys that can keep something going on forever and ever and ever. But I think maybe God kept it going for a really, really long time. This past year, we replaced our washer and dryer that we were, was given to us as a gift in 1988. I'll let you do the math. That's 27, 8 years, something like that. I have family and friends who said, I've replaced mine three and four times in that time, you know. I, I don't know why it's lasted that long, but it, it just has. You know, it's not a slot machine like you put some money in, you tithe, and you expect to pull the handle and cha-ching, and I'm going to... No, but God says, I'm going to take care of you. God says, I'm going to meet your needs. God says, I am going to give you what you need. Last year, some of you know, we had some medical issues that, were, that's, that we were not expecting, and God provided for our needs through our small group in an amazing way. 
amazing way. Um, God says, you have to decide if you're going to trust me. You have to decide if you're going to trust me because this is an issue of trust. It's not an issue of dollars and cents. And what does God say? Let's go back to verse 10 of Malachi chapter 3. God says, if you do this, God says, put me to the test. Put God to the test. God doesn't say this anywhere else in the Bible. Put me to the test. But he says it here. He says, put me to the test and see if I don't give you more than you can handle. Let's go on to verse 11. He says, this is what's going to happen. Your, your crops are not going to dis- get destroyed. The fruit's not going to fall before it is ripe. What happens to the fruit if it falls and it sits on the ground before it's ripe? What happens to the fruit? Rots, right? It spoils, right? God's going to take care of you. And then look at verse 11. He says this, that all the nations will call you blessed for years. It will be a delightful land. I think part of that blessing that is spoken of of the people of Israel is because of their ability to bless others. How many of you sitting here this morning would say, I would love the ability to use my finances, to use my money, to use my stuff to help someone who needs help? Let me see your hand. Put your hands in the room. Put your hands. How many of you would be willing to do that? You would love to do that. Many of you maybe already do. God says, I am going to take care of you. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to meet your needs in ways you might not expect me to meet your needs. And I'm going to give you the capacity to make a difference in someone else's life with your resources. But you have to decide if you're going to trust me. You have to decide if you're going to walk through your neighborhood and collect all of these containers before you even know how I'm going to do it. So what does this mean? The truth is, God can do more with your 10% than you can do with 100%. God can do more with your 10% than you can do with your 100%. And so here's my challenge to everyone who's here this morning. Um, It was my challenge in the first service. My challenge to all of us My challenge to all of us is to give God that full 10% for the next 90 days. To give back to God that full 10% for the next 90 days. And if, for some reason, you do not believe that God blesses you and meets your needs during that time, at any time during that 90 days, you can contact our church and we will refund everything you've given to us. Because we believe God will honor you and God will come through. We believe he will. We believe he will. Now maybe you're thinking, well, well, John, this is, you say this is not about money and you say this is trusting God, but if we do that, there's going to be more money. Is the church in trouble? Does the church need money? The church doesn't, isn't in trouble. I mean, we just renovated the, uh, the majority of our building $450,000 and didn't borrow a penny. We just renovated this space over $200,000 didn't borrow a penny. You guys gave generously to our benevolence fund. Our finances are at the best place they've ever been since I've been here, and I've been here the whole time. <laughs> we're not in debt. We're not struggling to make salaries. We're not sure if we're going to be able to turn the lights and heat on next week. That's not where we are. This is not about money. This is about your ability to say, I believe in the God of the heavens that he will take care of me, that he has blessed me, that he's given me this amount, and I'm simply going to give this small amount back to him. If you're worried about being at at something about CCC, then give your tithe to another church. But I do have to give you this disclaimer. If you give your tithe to another church and God doesn't come through to you, don't come asking us for a refund. (laughs) 
I have seen God meet my needs. My wife has seen us, seen God meet our needs. Our kids have seen God meet our needs as we have done this over and over and over and over and over again. And it really doesn't matter, students, if this is all you've got. If this is all you've got, God says, will you give this one back to me? And some of you are working and you're making a little bit more money. And maybe this is what it looks like at the end of the week. And it's all put, on, it's all put directly into your accounts. So you're going to have to go online and look at your pay stub and see how much came in. And God says, will you give this one to me? This is not just for when you are out of school. This is not just for when you have a full-time job. This is something God wants you to start right now. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to go to our website. There's a link on our website. You want to look for this, the 90-day challenge. It's in the rolling scrolling banner. And I want you to go to that page and say, I want to participate. No dollar amount. The dollar amount doesn't matter. We just want to know who wants to say, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. Now, some of you already tithe. And some of you have been giving in this way for a long period of time. And that is an awesome thing. And you have stories that others need to hear. Getting choked up just trying to tell you the story. First service, I was standing in the lobby. Older gentleman comes up to me, fixed income. He says, John, I've been doing this for years. And um, God always comes through. Uh, I don't know how. Always comes through. He said, things were a little tight around the holidays. I was wondering if I was going to have any money after Christmas. And he said, I just looked at my account the other day and there was $2,000 in my account. I don't know where it came from. God came through. God came through. And what I long for you to know and experience is a God of the heavens who knows your needs even before you know them and has a plan to take care of your needs even before he tells you that you will have the opportunity to watch him do it in your life. And that's my prayer for you. Not just for these 90 days. That's just to get us jump-started. But for a lifetime. For a lifetime. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. And as you do, I want you just to talk to God about where you're at right now. Um, be honest. He knows what's going through your mind. Some of you are just wrestling with this thought. You are a dollars and cents person and you've calculated already in your mind as I've been sitting here talking what this dollar amount will mean. And you're like, I don't know how in the world that's going to happen. Be honest with God. Some of you might be ready to do this, but you know how your spouse might, re might respond. Be honest with God. Some of you think it's a scam. Be honest with God. And some of you are ready to take that step today. 
You say, God, I, I want my life to be about you being number one and trusting you even with my finances. God, this is a hard subject for us to talk about. Um, it's not easy. We live in an area with people that work hard, that are disciplined with their money, that are careful with their purchases, that take care of what you bless them with. And so to be challenged to say it's time to trust God and, and really rethink about the way I view my stuff. But this does belong to him. And he just says, will you give me a little bit of it back? God, that's a shift for some people to really, really, really wrestle with. I pray especially for our students, our high school students, our college students who, God, they may not feel like they have two nickels to rub together. But I pray that they would commit themselves that whatever you trust them with, they will give some of that back to you. And that you will meet their needs over and over and over again. God, for those that have been doing this, they know what I'm talking about is true. They've watched God do this in their lives. And I just pray that you would help them to give testimony of that to others that might be wrestling with that this morning. God, it's easier to trust God with, it's easier to trust you with a whole lot of other things than it is with our money. So help us to do that, God, we pray in your name. Amen. Chad? Thanks, John. I know that myself, personally, in my life, there were times where I've turned away from that challenge in my life, and I was worried about what I could do. This next song that we're going to sing, we're going to encourage you to stand here with us. This next song sings about who God is. And when it comes to giving, it's all about do we trust that God is who he says he is? do we think that he can really do the things that his scripture has promised us? So I invite you to stand with us as we sing this song.